Welcome to the Off Street Podcast featuring Adam Reiner and Sean Dan. Off Street contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and contains certain forward-looking statements of future possibilities that due to known and unknown risks and other uncertainties and factors may differ materially from actual results. As such, there is no guarantee that any views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Off Street is presented for informational purposes and nothing contained herein should be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any security or as an offer to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Additionally, this communication contains information derived from third-party sources. Although we believe these sources to be reliable, we make no representations as to their accuracy or completeness. Adam and Sean are employees of Marshall Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. For additional information about the firm, including its services and fees, send for the firm's disclosure brochure or visit advisorinfo.sec.gov. All right, Sean, it is Tuesday, February 13th, 4.30 in the afternoon. How about that Super Bowl? I'll give it Six out of ten. Six out of ten. It was the first half was boring. First half was a one out of ten. First half was awful. <laughs> very low scoring. Very ugly game. Commercials weren't that great. I fell asleep during the halftime show. <laughs> you hated the halftime show, apparently. <laughs> or you were at least bored by it. I was, I was bored. It was a boring half of football. It was a boring start to the halftime show. The game tried to redeem itself in the second half. Exciting overtime. Yes, it was. It was an exciting fourth quarter and overtime Patrick Mahomes is inevitable yep just the the torch was so seamlessly passed off from Brady to him I think he's what 28 very young third Super Bowl already probably got a lot more in him as an Eagles fan that's kind of frustrating we let Andy. yeah Andy, <laughs> our guy Andy Reid just sent him off and now he's doing better things he upgraded he's the ex that that upgraded oh, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Happy for him. Yes, right. <laughs> but uh, yesterday they had said 123.4 million viewers watched the Super Bowl. It was Crazy. the most watched television program of all time. I, I know people get mad about her, but realistically, Taylor Swift should be the highest paid person on the NFL's payroll. The bump that she has given the league in terms of viewership, dollars generated for the NFL and the Chiefs, Roger Goodell should sign her to a lifetime contract. It was it was a great partnership. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, there's videos out there of there was a video I saw of a dad and a son last year. Last year's the Eagles Super Bowl, celebrating the win, crying, hugging each other. Flash forward to this year, it's the same dad and son wearing the same jerseys, and then the son's daughters, so the grandkids. Oh, there you go. All there. They went on that last second touchdown. Everyone's jumping up and down and crying. Taylor Swift's uniting families, Adam. There you go. How about that? <laughs> I guess that's the thing. The NFL is a business, and they're trying to get more viewers, more people interested in the sport. And if Taylor Swift helps them do that, while hardcore football fans may hate it, the NFL loves it. Tough. Yeah. They know you're not <laughs> going to stop watching the NFL because of Taylor Swift. Right. So grow up and deal with it because she's making them a lot of damn money. There's already people yesterday talking about how the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Pro. Very pro that. I'm I'm anti that. I think well, it's weird. Why, why what, is it weird? What other business has so much pull that they can generate a national holiday? I think you got to look at the cultural significance of the Super Bowl. Like what other event during the year brings everyone in America together to sit in front of the couch and watch and experience the same thing at the same time? All right. That's fair. It's a fair take goes late but it's like what what do you come in you come in the next day after the super bowl you talk about the super bowl you talk about it for the week yes, after everyone like, does their block pool president's day 
is next Monday. Yes. Why not just back it up a week or push the Super Bowl ahead a week? Okay, I, I'd be fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm, we also work in finance and banks are closed on President's Day. So I don't think everyone else has off on President's Day. Maybe just make it. Everyone, everything's closed. American Day. George Washington would have loved the Super Bowl. Yeah. I believe that. See that in a Super Bowl ad. <laughs> Last week, we had talked a little bit about the economic impact of the Super Bowl on Phoenix. Yes. And last week, you had found some quotes from Wynn Casino. About maybe the impact or lack thereof that it would have on Vegas. Yeah, when when resorts and casinos, maybe a little bit surprising, they don't see the Super Bowl as having a huge impact on their bottom line. Um, they had a call last week. Their CEO and CFO talked to the fact of a lot of the people that come for Super Bowl week. There's a lot of corporate partners that come. There's yes. a lot of companies that are there to market themselves or do deal making. Not there for all just the fun and pomp and circumstance of the super yes. bowl the super bowl is not packed by the common man no it's a it's a big corporate presence so he said there's a lot of people that are there that are taking up rooms taking up spots on the strip that aren't necessarily there to gamble so they don't they aren't seeing it's not like okay there's however many million people in vegas they're all gambling it's a little bit different of a split than on a normal weekend so obviously vegas is big every weekend he's basically like you know it's not necessarily going to be a net negative but it kind of comes out in the wash. We're yeah. not jumping up and down on the table saying this is the best thing ever. He said it's probably going to be pretty comparable to the Formula One race yeah. that was hosted there a few months ago. That's the thing. Over the course of the year, Vegas hosts so many events. Not only like the Formula One race, there's boxing matches. Think of how many corporate conferences are yeah. held in Vegas every year. Phoenix is a cool spot. It's not Vegas. Right. Every, every day in Vegas is a holiday, is a vacation for some people. Phoenix, it's it's a little bit sleepier of a town. Yeah. So over the course of our workday, we have Bloomberg on to kind of stay up to date on what's going on on markets. And every once in a while, there's a moment that kind of makes us grit our teeth. Mm. And that happens. And it had nothing to do with a guest or breaking news. It was a commercial. A commercial for breakfast, of all things. Perkins, man. Perkins <laughs> Breakfast. And they were running a promo... They were running a promotion called the Magnificent Seven Breakfast, which was three pancakes, two eggs, and two slices of bacon. One, goodbye Perkins for coming up with that and promoting it on Bloomberg. But also, I think our reaction was, oh no, is this a reverse indicator? It's so over. It's all these <laughs> meme templates of it's so over. We've jumped the shark. We've gone way too far. When Perkins has the idea to be cutesy with the Magnificent Seven. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we may be in trouble. <laughs> it feels very toppy. It feels very like things you see at market tops. I heard, I heard some alarm bells going off. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to see. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Magnificent Seven this year. Tesla being a name that maybe we can talk yes. a little bit about of they're in the Magnificent Seven. They had a really bad January. Some people are starting to say, does Tesla belong in the Magnificent Seven? Yes. You know, maybe it is a, a good sign of the top yes yeah, so according to bloomberg some wall street traders are wondering if tesla belongs in that category they say the other six companies have a more tangible benefit from the ai boom while elon musk has tried to position tesla as an ai company another one wall street analyst says at the end of the day tesla is a one product company and that's they sell cars. They're a car company right now. 
they have a lot of promises for AI. I think there's a lot of hopes, but until you deliver on those promises, you're still a car company. They're a very highly valued car company. And at one point, you know, you were the first mover advantage of this mass electric only car manufacturer. A lot of the legacy brands are catching up. So for those reasons, I think it makes sense. But we see the turnovers in these popular, mainly tech names. Fang was the biggest thing in the world yep. for a long time. Netflix had a drawdown, got the boot. Um, they had a drawdown of over 70%. Tesla, maybe it's a little premature to call for their head after a month of bad returns. But when you give some of the color that you gave, might make a little more sense. Like You can promise AI all day, but until you deliver it and it hits your bottom line. You know, maybe you don't belong in this company. Maybe right not. Now. Maybe we need to come up with a new name for the six. Maybe the surviving six. The surviving, okay. Who, who, just I like throwing that. ideas Spit out ball. there. But Meta, one of the other Magnificent Seven, or surviving six, made news. They are now going to be a dividend-paying company. Yes, this was a pretty big shock. Really good week for Meta last week. Jumped 20% on... Among other things, the announcement of a surprise dividend. They now become the fourth member of the MAG7 to offer a dividend. They join Apple, Microsoft, and NVIDIA. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a debate. Is it a, is it a negative thing? Usually you don't see these high-flying tech companies with all these great prospects giving out dividends, but I maybe would push back on that a little bit. People have pointed out, once you get to the size and scale of Meta, it becomes hard to redeploy dollars in a efficient way yes they're they're no longer a small company you know when you're talking billions of dollars that you have to find ways to invest in in projects and stuff it it becomes very very hard so eventually you just start giving that money back to shareholders um and they wouldn't be the only tech company to do that we talked about apple currently paying a dividend i think they started paying a dividend in the late 1980s yeah a long long time ago and they've done a lot of innovation since then but apple at the moment as of their last quarterly report is sitting on $73 billion in cash and short-term investments. $73 that's billion. A, dollars. So those, those that's company market cap level. It's funny you should say that, Adam. $73 billion is larger than the market cap of Chipotle, Marriott, Target, Ford, and PayPal. As individual companies? As, indiv- as, indiv- okay. as individual companies. I was really hoping you were going to say combined. Yeah, no. I, yeah. <laughs> So it, it may not be the negative sign. Tech companies inherently aren't super capital intensive, especially meta. It's like software. So you don't need to be buying huge factories and commodities and all those things like, you know, some of these more legacy, like an oil company per se. Um, so, yeah, eventually you just start to give money back to shareholders and investors rewarded them. They said thank you and the stock jumped. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good sign. It's a sign of a maturing company. I remember a few years ago when they did the rebrand i thought they were dead i thought thought it was a dying company figured it out and the fact that they are offering a dividend shows confidence in their future cash flows yeah i think it's a good sign keeping with these mag 7 names last week you had come across an interesting graphic sean about the golden age of apple products yeah this is interesting so apple obviously in the news just came out with the apple vision pro a lot of people excited about that, even if at an expensive price point right now. Feels like the per- first piece of big innovation from Apple in a while, right? Yeah, trying to think of recent products that they've launched. AirPods were really popular. Yep. The Watch. The Apple Watch, I think, was in, within the past five years, maybe. Yeah. But aside from that, 
It's not like laptops and, com- and computers yeah, and phones like they kind of stormed onto the scene. With. They've, they've launched new models of phones, but nothing exciting. Yeah. So it, it made us think, let's look back at kind of that golden age of Apple, those peak Steve Jobs years. So from 2004 to 2012, Apple released the first generations of the following products. The MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, the Mac Mini, the iPad, the iPhone, the iPod Touch, and Apple TV. In an eight-year span, they released all those things that are just integral to everyday life. Right. I was going to say, think of how that transformed think day-to-day I, life. I use several of those things in, in my in my day-to-day life. Like it's, it's crazy, all that innovation in, in an eight-year period. I remember when the iPod was launched and how innovative that was. And it, that thing was like a brick yeah. by today's standards. <laughs> and it, had this, it was black and white and the scroll screen and all that. Was, like the thumb, you'd have to... Like, swivel around and then that that innovation arc was very quick too we went quickly from that to the ipod mini mm-hmm. to the ipod shuffle to a touch screen and then eventually to the iphone the iphone yeah i remember the i the i uh what was it? the ipod touch that was like a that was high class in, yeah in, in middle school and stuff if you had an iphone touch you were anyone who was anyone that was that was cool stuff um, but in that time frame, so from the start of 2004 to the end of 2012, the stock returned almost 5,000%. Crazy. It, it compounded an annual growth rate of about 54% a year. And in that time, net income grew by almost 30,000%. So since then, the stock's still done well. It's done about 23% a year. So nothing to, to sneeze at, but obviously different scale there. So maybe a reason for apple investors to get excited like is this the new age of innovation getting on the front line of new technologies kind of the that vr ai boom you know people are excited about the product it'll take mass adoption eventually it's probably too expensive right now for that but maybe a reason to be excited if you're an apple investor yeah you know i think most when we talk about key man risk you also think of like the downside Mm -hmm. but steve jobs what an innovator he was with some of those products. He he threaded the needle very well. An outspoken dude, ruffled a lot of feathers, hadn't even a tenuous relationship with Apple at times. Like yeah. he, it wasn't always rosy, but man, did he execute. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Hedge funds have been in the news yes. quite a bit this week. Starting with David Einhorn of Greenlight Capital, who had this quote. Passive investors have no opinion about value. They're going to assume everyone else has done the work. Which, after reading that, my cynical take was, aren't hedge funds like Greenlight supposed to be the quote-unquote smart money and doing the work from price discovery, while retail investors have historically been referred to as the quote-unquote dumb money. Yeah, it, it was a little weird to me because he said that and then he went on to say that he thinks that markets are fundamentally broken at this point. There's not enough of that active price discovery in too much maybe dumb money, as you said. Right. I don't get how that's a bad thing for him. He's an active investor. He's trying to capitalize on inefficiencies in the market. If there's less competition less people seeking out inefficiency shouldn't that help him yes shouldn't his job become easier in a way he's saying markets aren't as efficient as they should be because capital is not being allocated the way that it should 
And for someone like him, he should benefit. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk cynical. I think the like extra point he's trying to get to is like, I'm making good decisions, but I'm not being rewarded <laughs> because other people aren't acting in the right fashion. <laughs> well, I don't know Who, who's in the wrong. <laughs> right? Is it is it everyone or is it me? Like, I, I think it gets a little weird there. Yes. And then fellow hedge funder Bill Ackman filed to launch a NYSE listed fund for regular investors that plans to invest in 12 to 24 large cap investment grade durable growth names. And to do so, he's only going to charge 2%. That's only 2% (laughs) compared to the normal hedge fund structure of a 2% management fee, then 20% incentive fee. Yeah. So you get to keep all your returns. You're not going to take 20% of them. But this kind of flew under the radar. Bill Ackman, he's been in the news for a lot recently. And it's rare you kind of see these hedge fund titans kind of venture into the more public space of being accessible to everyday investors. So Bill Ackman, his hedge fund, Pershing Square, they invest in a lot of kind of big consumer, easy to understand names. And they've been relatively successful doing so. Some of the, the notable holdings, Chipotle, Hilton Hotels, Lowe's, kind of companies where you understand how they make their money. It's not that that hard to wrap your yes. arms around. Kind of like that Warren Buffett philosophy there. Yeah, definitely like a, a value tilt to what he does. Um, so I think that's an interesting play, especially like trying to appeal to everyday investors. Like, let's get concentrated. Let's make big bets on easy to understand names. That may appeal. But like you said, 2%, that's a huge fee for an active ETF or mutual fund. Um and not to mention, we talked a little bit, Ackman's been in the news a lot. He's got a lot of Elon Musk in him. There's there's some key man risk he, there. He's an opinionated guy. He he kind of needs to be in the news, increasingly so, it seems like. He needs to have his opinion heard. He needs to be the focus of attention. A little bit concerning when he's the guy kind of managing your money. It feels like that's the way a lot of the active personalities are these days. David Einhorn, outspoken right now. Bill Ackman. Elon Musk, Elon Elon Musk, Musk. On, a, on a company-specific basis. Right. Kathy Wood. We'll get there in a minute. But I don't know. Are you buying Are you buying the product or are you buying the personality? Or maybe a mix of both? Uh, you know, it's probably a good time for him to do it. He has a huge following that's only grown recently on Twitter, X. He kind of really stuck his, you know, his neck out there in the middle of a lot of kind of ongoing debates. He's talking a lot about the upcoming election he was integral in the whole uh harvard ousting of claudine gay the president after her comments in front of congress um he has a big activist investing history some things have gone his way some things haven't um but maybe he's capitalizing kind of on that following that he's found of like oh people the everyday man wants to invest in me right it's kind of even comparing him back to buffett if they're both these investment grade adorable growth companies his is just going to be more concentrated than berkshire hathaway which kind of does the same thing without going too deep into it but berkshire hathaway is a conglomerate it owns a little bit of everything yeah as opposed to something that's more concentrated yeah and buffett he's kind of the key man you want he kind of keeps his mouth shut and he's delivered over and over (laughs) yeah there's not a lot of risk there bill ackman very publicly in the past has lost a lot of money pretty much because another investor didn't like him. There's For those who aren't familiar, uh, several years ago at this point, he made a big bet against Herbalife. You remember Herbalife? Oh, the, yeah. The, 
Yeah, I think he accused it of being a pyramid scheme. Yes, which kind of sounded a little pyramid schemey, <laughs> I will admit. <laughs> but he kind of went on this public crusade against them. And another hedge fund manager, Carl Icahn, another big titan who didn't like him, went long on the stock pretty much out of spite, it seemed like. And they had a very public back and forth. A billionaire battle. A billionaire battle. The stock ended up ripping. Ackman lost close to a billion on it. And, you know, the investment case seemed pretty solid. But if someone doesn't like you and wants you to lose money, you know, that that can play out. What's a billion dollars amongst friends? <laughs> but I don't know. At the end of the day, our products like Ackman's trying to bring the market good for everyday investors. Like Morningstar put out a piece this past week of the top wealth-destroying fund families over the past 10 years. And at the top of that list was Kathy Wood's ARC Fund family, which was estimated to have destroyed an estimated $14.3 billion of investor wealth. Second on the list was Crane Shares at $6.5 billion, just to show the, the range there. It's nuts. It's nuts. More than double the second place group. And the fund today is about $16 billion. So basically you've destroyed a whole extra ARC <laughs> yeah. in that time frame. Um, but ARC, really tough times and really kind of head-scratching too. Someone pointed out their flagship fund, ARKK, by far their biggest fund. It's the ARC Innovation Fund. Yeah, I think when you think of ARC, that's the fund yeah, you think that's of. The, that's the fund you think of. But someone pointed out, if you're all about innovation, what has been the most innovative thing of the past 18 to 24 months? AI. AI. Easy. No-brainer. And who's the face of AI? NVIDIA. NVIDIA. ARC, very notably, does not own any NVIDIA right now. They completely closed their position in January 2023. Since the end of January 2023, NVIDIA is up more than 270%. Meanwhile, ARC's top 10 holdings include the names such as Roku, Zoom, and Shopify. They sound like great pandemic names. Great pandemic names doesn't feel very innovative yes. going forward, and people have started to point this out. You're you're the innovation person. Where's the innovation? How are you missing these these big trends? It's it's kind of feels kind of unacceptable. I remember when she very publicly exited Nvidia in that flagship fund, and she had a rationale around it at the time. But I don't know a lot of like Kathy Wood does a great job of making her product sound very exciting and sexy and innovative. She's very well-spoken. Incredibly, yeah. But at the end of the day, if it's not creating wealth, and these passive funds are at a much cheaper cost, what's the point of owning these active strategies? Or Not all active strategies are bad. Get that out of the way. But if they're not doing their job, what's the point? Are they just compensation models for the, the owners at the end? There is always going to be a market for and an allure towards big name investors who have gotten something massively right once. You cement your legacy as an investor if you get something massively right once. You think of Kathy Wood in that post-COVID era. You think of Michael Burry in the housing market. People are always going to ask them their opinions, no matter how much they're wrong otherwise. Yeah, I think and we talked about Michael Burry several episodes ago. Yeah, no matter how much you're wrong, like they're always going to ask you your opinion because there's that allure of like, wow, what what if they catch lightning in the bottle twice and I can be a part of it? And I think that's why people invest in ARC. I think that's why people will probably invest in Bill Ackman, regardless of the fees, regardless of the track record. I get to say, oh, my money's with so-and-so. 
yeah. instead of with it's Vanguard. A bit, bit of that herd mentality. Yeah. Performance chasing. It's like, oh, uh, you invest with Vanguard? That's boring. I invest with Kathy Wood. I invest with Bill Ackman. Well, funny you brought up Vanguard. Within that same piece, the biggest wealth creators in the fund industry include companies like Vanguard and American Funds. Yeah. To get back to David Einhorn, it's unsexy and there's no price discovery, but it's worked pretty damn well recently. And I think until, you know, actives can start performing more durable outperformance, it's only going to continue to trend that way. Yeah. You had brought up innovation and I think everyone can admit that innovation can be erratic, can be difficult to predict winners. We saw that with AI last year, but this year, we're seeing a different side of, of innovation, and that's with those weight loss drugs like Ozempic. Yes, the GLP-1 drugs. Yes. They've been in the news a lot lately, and now we're starting to see the second derivative effects of these products. One of the side effects of losing too much weight too quickly is people are getting what dermatologists call Ozempic face. Yes. It's when you lose too much fat in your face too quickly and you get saggy skin. Mm -hmm. And that has now become a boon for products like fillers and botox and has benefited beauty products and then beauty product companies like elf beauty which stock has risen 141 percent over the past year yes they went from kind of an average to underperforming stock to up 140 percent and they even had a super bowl commercial yes <laughs> on on sunday and you think of you know okay i want to be an active investor in an innovation space no one talked about glp ones three years ago now we're talking about GLP ones, but we got to think about the second order effects of Ozempic face. Like who right. had that in their bull case for Elf three years ago? Elf Beauty. Like it's just it's it's inherently very difficult to make bets in these spaces and be an active investor, and especially in these innovation spaces. Um, but I think that is like such a great example of why it's hard and why you can never predict stuff like Ozempic face. We did a double take when we heard that on Bloomberg last week. Right. It was it was wild. I think we both yelled at to each other between our offices. Like, did you just hear that? What did they just say? <laughs> so it's just it's always gonna be an inherent risk with Kathy Wood, but like we said, you only have to be right a couple times and you cement your legacy. Right. Do you want to switch over to uncorrelated? Let's do it. All right. So this first one has to do with working from home and perhaps a little bit with what happens when a joke doesn't land. Mm. So the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Free, Jacob Fry, however you pronounce it, not sure, um, recently said that employees that work from home are losers. Mm. He was speaking at the Minneapolis Downtown Council where he hit them with this quote. When they stay at home, sitting on their couch with their nasty cat blanket, diddling on their laptop, if they do that for months, you become a loser. We're not losers, are we? <laughs> Oh, just <laughs> cringe-inducing. <laughs> yes. For the record, he said it was a luncheon, and he was just saying a joke. And people there knew it was a joke, but... He kind of went out of his way, too, in his backpedal to be like, you should have been there, because it kind of landed. <laughs> He's like, you guys are taking it out of context. It's not as funny it's in writing. Said, it got picked up on social media, and it was out of context. <laughs> it's just... It's really bad. It's really, really bad. Especially, too, the whole point of of this example in this speech was to try and get more workers to come back to the city to spend money and stimulate the economy. And instead of being like, Hey guys, like come back. we got all these great things. It's you guys are losers yeah. <laughs> right now. Are you a dork? If you work at home, <laughs> you'll be cool. If you come back, 
just PR nightmare. I can only imagine like his his public relations team in the back just ah right one of those cringe moments. <laughs> but more workers have started to return to downtown there. I think they had said 65% of downtown workers come to the office at least once a week, which was up from a year ago, which was 62%. But overall, the unemployment rate in Minnesota is very low, 2.9%, below Mm -hmm. the national rate of 3.7%. So strong labor market within the state. So strong labor market. People have the money to spend. Maybe we just start to cater them differently than saying, you're a loser. Yes. (laughs) I like this next story here, Sean. This one has to do with, with layoffs, but how companies say layoffs without saying layoffs. Companies opt for euphemistic sayings like right-sizing or org changes. Just, I think just overall workplace jargon has gone way too far, Adam. Yeah, has it gotten better or worse since COVID? I think that's the thing. I think so this article talking about layoffs, I think right-sizing is a word that came out of COVID, right? That wasn't a... That that feels COVID-y. That wasn't a pre-COVID word. word. Zooming has Zooming, kind of become that, like that, a big thing. That's definitely, definitely post-COVID. I feel like there's been a rise in that, that corporate jargon, and especially, we unfortunately, there's been a lot of layoffs recently that we've seen in certain sectors. Um, you get these kind of cringy, patronizing, weird things, such like, as involuntary career yes. event. I don't think anyone wants to be told they're having an involuntary career event. No, that doesn't soften the blow. Or corporate outplacing. Yeah, just really, just kind of, ugh. Obviously, you don't want to say, like, you're fired. Or layoffs has kind of become an ugly word, too. But I think you go too far the other direction with some of these other words. They say phrases like this became more common in the late 80s and 90s. And a Harvard Business School professor said the language is a result of moral disengagement which is a harm doer's effort to rationalize and soften the actions for themselves. Feels right. I think we need to get back to Let's just keep the main thing the main thing. We don't need more jargon yes. words. At, at the end of the day, the person is still losing their job. Yes. But maybe to spin it in a more positive light, kind of bring it back to, to the positives here, just talking about jargon in general. I brought a few of my favorite, or maybe I should say least favorite, okay. corporate jargon words if we want to go back and forth a little bit. Let's hear them. How do, you, how do you feel about the word bleeding edge? The phrase bleeding edge. Bleeding edge. I feel like it's someone trying to be edgy. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know, you want to be on the bleeding edge of innovation. Um, another favorite one, bandwidth. I feel like I bandwidth. bandwidth a lot from people. I feel like that's a popular finance one. I don't have enough bandwidth right enough now. Bandwidth. What's your bandwidth? Yeah. Uh, herding cats. Herding low, cats. Low-hanging fruit. Let's not move the goalposts. But maybe my favorite, and I hadn't really heard this one before doing research for this episode. Someone says to you, let's not boil the ocean. Let's not boil the <laughs> does, ocean. Does that re- resonate with you? Uh, let's, not, let's, not, let's not bite off more than we can chew, chew and, and do let's something not boil the impossible. ocean. You know, I like it. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's cringy, and I'm going to say it in like a sarcastic way. But it's like it might be one of those sarcastic things that just becomes commonplace. Yes. We'll see. I agree. I kind of like it. <laughs> so I found this survey online where they asked people the most and least annoying corporate jargon. Okay. I'll read you the top three from each. Okay. For the most annoying, it was circle back. Okay. Work hard, play hard, and boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Okay. <laughs> and then the least annoying was sink, 
pushback, pipeline, and I'll give you a fourth here, level set. Level set. Okay, level set is actually a jargony word that I kind of like. Yes, that's not a bad uh, that's, one. That's that's not. So I threw that one in there. That's not that's not bad at all. I think that has a has a use case, and is not weird like some of these other ones. I agree. There was a disappoint. There was a disappointing CPI number today. Yeah. Di- disappointing in the sense that it still showed inflation came down year over year, though yeah. so not as much as economists expected. They expected it to start with a two, like a two nine. It came in still at 3.1, which was down from 3.3 or 3.4 last month. So it's trending the right way, though not as big of a drop as they had expected to see. And the market reacted to it today. Yeah, you know, something that comes back to bite you when you say it out loud. But it feels like a little bit of an overreaction, right? Like we've, we've had a string of really good data. We have one piece of bad data in terms of inflation, obviously important. But let's remember, it's not even the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation look funny you say that before we got on the record i saw jeffrey gunlock from double line had said let's look at the pce yeah it's a, it's a, it's about pce and they're measured in a lot of the same way but a few important different ways yes where pce and, and cpi can diverge every once in a while so bad day in the market the worst day i can remember so far for 2024 i don't know if that's a fact or not but you know i'm not too torn up about it no at, at some point we're also due for a day like this yeah. as well so i'm you know i'm just gonna take it for what it is and, and move on to tomorrow i'm not i'm not super torn up at this moment that's right markets aren't linear economic data doesn't move in a linear fashion either so but otherwise when we meet next when we record next week the phillies will be a week in the spring training <laughs> spring is here the unofficial start of spring football season's done Nice weather's right around the corner. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yes, bring on the spring. Until next week. Until next week. See you then.